This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. How many love Thanksgiving? It's my favorite holiday. I think it's because um, you don't have to buy any gifts is one reason. So the, the stress level, is that too honest? It's just a little, little easier. I love the weather. It's the one thing I think we do for sure better than the Americans because there's this November. It's mixed in with Christmas and everything. We have its own. Come on, how many? I just love October. Pumpkin pie, NFL football, turkey. I'm going to have a nap today. It's going to be so good. How many are thankful for naps? Am I the only one? Kids? You're going to wake up one day, and you're going to wish you took every nap you had the chance to when you were a kid. That's why we, us dads, sleep so much. We've been in a series today, and we're so thankful today for you. Happy Thanksgiving. But today we've been in a series called The Battlefield. The Battlefield. And it says our theme verse was in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Listen to this. It says, this. It says casting down imaginations. Different dragons. Imagination dragons there. Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here's what we've been talking about for three weeks and today as we conclude is that there is a battlefield sometimes mostly in our minds. We struggle with thoughts. I don't know if you're like me, and I'm sure you are, that you think a lot more than you talk, and sometimes there are things going on in your mind, scenarios and stresses and problems and conversations and I have learned that many times the battle is won in our thoughts. It's lost in our thoughts. The Bible says that these thoughts that want to rival God's plan for your life, God's goodness for your life. Nancy said it to you, you need to know God is for you. If you walk in here today going, I'm new to church, I don't know what to believe, you need to know God is for you. God is not mad at you. If God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a, con a condemner, but he wanted to save the world. That's why he sent a savior. He is passionately in love with us. But sometimes our minds wants to battle that, and we struggle. We talked week one. We talked about fear. We've never had a season of life where fear seems to be driving the media, driving economics, driving people living in fear. And we talked about God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. So many times we settle for the what if. What if the economy drops? What if the environment goes, what if the government does this? What if someone walks out of my life? And we settle for the what ifs instead of leaning into what's possible. When you know God has a plan for your life, he says, greater is he that is in us, come on somebody, than he that is in the world. Maybe you've been to churches where people like to share and preach and they're, and they, they're elo uh, eloquent in their, in their speeches and they want you to quietly mull over what they're saying. This isn't that kind of church. I'm a hollerback preacher. You can amen. You can say hello. You can, you can throw stuff. You can just come on. We're a lively church today. Second week we talked about was greed. We talked about selfishness, lust. And really what we're saying is we're putting ourselves in the middle of the circle and in the center of attention. We think it's all about us. We talked about even with our kids sometimes, we treat them like they're the center of the universe. And we wonder why when they're 20, they act like the world revolves around them. We do that in our life. We put ourselves in, this, in the center, but God belongs in the center. And fighting in the greed battle, grappling greed, we throw ourselves out of the middle and put God in the middle. When we serve, when we give, when we worship, we put God in the middle. We got to battle selfishness in our mindset. Today, I want to unpack uh, our, our third in this series today as we close this series on this Thanksgiving Sunday. First verse I want to read today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men. Paul here is talking about comparing. People are comparing. He says, no, no, we're not going to compare ourselves with other men that tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. Comparison. The Bible says, how ignorant. If you have your Bible today, turn to Philippians. This will be our main verse today. I have someone I want to help me today. Uh, someone that comes out here is going to help me set this message off right. Can we welcome to the stage Ava Jane Murphy? You read the verse and then you pray for us today. Right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How are we doing? Good. Um, today I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So that verse is pretty cool because it talks about how God strengthens us through everything. And since it's Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about what we're thankful for today. So I'm thankful for Pastor Mike and everything he does for the church, um, our family and friends. And yeah, so <laughs> dear Lord Jesus, I pray for this day, Lord God. Um, I thank you for everyone who came. I pray that you will help Pastor Mike deliver an amazing message. And I pray that everyone will have a great Thanksgiving. In your name, amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Ava Jane. Today, if you're taking notes in this short, this will be like my wife said, it'll be short and sweet on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Write this title down somewhere, Combating Comparison. Combating Comparison. Where are my runners in the room? You like to run? Why? I have a next question is why. I do marathons, <clears throat> Netflix marathons. I just kind of watch it. You've ever seen me running, I'm running from something, don't ever just watch me, join me, because usually there's something scary happening. If you see me running, join me, because it's usually, there's a reason why I'm running, but a couple years ago, I decided to run the Blue Nose uh, race, and the, the, run the 10K race. I had this idea, Nancy had done it, had actually made it look fun, it was a great experience, we were down there cheering her on, I said, okay, and I had some friends doing it, I said, this is the year I'm going to run. I remember I, 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 I paid for my registration. I told everybody I was going to do it. And then, loading a truck for church, not much has changed in 10 years, I broke my ankle one night. So part of me is like, okay, I can't run. But then it started to heal, and, and I started to, no, no, I, I want to run this race. It looks fun. So I was committed to running this race. And I only had a month to train before the race. Uh, so in one month, I ran 100 kilometers in one month. That was my, I was, I was going to run. I was like Forrest Gump. I was going to keep running. I grew the beard, I'm just gonna run. And um, life's like a box of chocolates and sometimes you break them. And uh, my foot was broken, it started to heal, started to run. And I realized as I couldn't train, I also realized by nature I had this problem that maybe gets in the way of my running, it's this, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> that gets in a problem with running. And I convinced myself I have asthma when I'm running, like I need to stop. And I, I convinced myself like, this is not good for your body. Like, have you ever seen a 100 year old running? No, there's a reason, they die. And I just thought, I, I'm, telling, I'm battling in my mind when I'm running, I'm thinking, I don't pay a car payment to run. Why do I have a car payment? You shouldn't run if you have a car payment. Right? It just doesn't make sense. And I battled this stuff in my mind. So to help myself train for this race, I started blogging because that's easier than running. So I started researching blogs from runners. I'm buying runners magazines, Runner's World, and I'm going through blogs. So I came up with this, this, this training regimen that involved no running. 
on the day of the race, the people that ran with me, Joel could tell you this, Anthony could tell you this, this is hilarious. They're like, on the day of the run, they said, okay, first of all, you need to drink a Red Bull five minutes before you run. That was a part of my training. Secondly, have a Rice, Bispy, Rice Krispie Square dipped in uh, peanut butter. That'll get the protein into you. And then <laughs> eat two packs of salt. True story. I'm downtown getting ready to race, and I'm cracking open salt packages. I'm downing them. I'm downing these salt packages. I'm at Red Bull. I'm eating Rice Krispie Squares. And they're like, you didn't train, did you? I don't need to train. I read a couple blogs. <laughs> you know how this story finishes, right? So I start running. For the first kilometer, I'm good. Then I realize I'm running and I start panicking. For the first kilometer, my kids are cheering me on. People are cheering you on. Pure pride makes you run. After, once we hit the bridge and the bridge starts going uphill, I realized I was in trouble. The Red Bull was mixing with the peanut butter and things were happening. And <laughs> uh, I don't know what the blue nose, but it was, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was, so I started running. And then I started coming to Dartmouth. I was with Anthony Murphy, Coach Murphy, and he's just a beast of a, the most competitive, athletic. And he starts to feel, at this point, he's rising. Do I keep running with Miller or do I go on? And like any respectable person, he left and just kept going. And as we started going up the hill in Dartmouth, which I call Heartbreak Hill, uh, no one else calls it that, but that's what it is in my world. And uh, I started going up that hill. I started to fail. At that point, people I was running with started running the normal pace. See, they had these people called Pace, I think they were called Pace Bunnies, and they had these ears on, and so you could spot them in the crowd, and they held this sign that ran the pace that you could run with. They're like, if you want to run this 10K in an hour, you follow that guy. He has a sign that says one hour, and he has these ears, and he was a good runner, and he would run at a set pace. He knew that if you followed him, he would run one hour to the, right to the dot. If you want to run 55 minutes, you follow someone else. If you want to run 50 minutes, you follow someone else. And I remember thinking, if I could just finish under an hour, I'm good. I, I can, that's respectable. You know, the Red Bull, the lack of training, I'm good with under one hour. That's good. So I started following my bunny. The problem is halfway across the bridge, the bunny stopped. It wasn't an Energizer bunny at all. And it stopped. He's like, you guys are good. Keep going. I mean, this is not the way this works. We're only a quarter way through the race, and my bunny stops. So then I start looking for someone else to run with. I find this one guy, I'm thinking, I'm faster than him. I'll just run beside him. 100 meters later, he pulls away from me. I realize I can't keep up with him. I start looking for someone else. I find this other woman running. I'm thinking, I'm faster than her. I'm run she doesn't know we're running together at this point, but I'm just running beside her. And all of a sudden, we hit the top of the hill, and she pulls away, and I'm starting to fade. By the end of the race, I swear to you, my running partner, though she didn't know it, was an elderly woman with a cane. And she was just going, I was like, you're my girl. We can do this. Sometimes in this race of life, we run in a way that we run competing and comparing ourselves to others. There are people that you are racing against and comparing. They have no idea you're doing it. Some of them you know in person. Some of them you've never met online through Instagram and things. But you're competing. And we have this mindset many times that we are comp competing and comparing ourselves with people in this race of life. The Bible says in the verse we read today in Corinthians, in, in Colossians, Sorry, in Corinthians 10, it says that it's actually ignorant, it's actually foolish to compare yourselves with others. Ava read a verse about being content in all things. Today, I want to encourage you, in this life of race, we have to combat comparison. Comparison, you need to know this today, kills, on this Thanksgiving, kills contentment. Some of you don't feel contentment 
You don't feel satisfied with the house you live in, the apartment you live in, the marriage you're in, the kids you have, the car you drive. I have realized in my life that comparison kills contentment. The comparison battle is more difficult than ever before. When I was growing up, you only compared yourself with the kids on your street. You compared your bike to their bike. You compared your fort to their fort. You compared your dad to their dad. I remember you have a property, and I get off my property. Remember that? Yeah. Anyway, am I the only kid that did that? You're like nine. You're like, all right, I'm done. Get off my property. It's not your property. It's the government's property. No, it's my property. I'm going to get my dad. Well, my dad can beat up your dad. Well, my dad can beat up his dad. We started competing like this. Now comparison is global. Now we as dads, we're not competing with a dad down the street. We're competing with a dad around the world going, I will not have a dad bod. You know, some 50-year-old man, all he does is work out in Laguna Beach, California. I'm comparing myself going, he has, he's 60 and he has abs. That's because he doesn't drink Red Bull and salt packages. That's one reason. The comparison game is more difficult than ever before. My daughter wants a dog so bad. Every time we see a dog on the street, she makes voices at these dogs. Like, oh, he's so sweet. Look at him. I mean, the ugliest dogs look like rats. She thinks are the cutest things ever. If she sees a, a Labrador, she just dies and goes to heaven. She loves dogs. All our friends, all her friends' parents bought them dogs. <clears throat> Sellouts. You know who you are. <clears throat> And it has made life extremely difficult for our family because we're holding out. We don't want a dog. We're competing with our, 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 neighbor, our neighbors and our friends. Oh, look how sweet he is. And when you come over, they're pushing the dog. She grabs our, her friend's dogs and brings them over to me, puts them on my lap. Here, look how sweet he is. And these dogs are very, very sweet for short periods of time. But you know what's amazing? The comparison is no longer with friends and local. Now we have these friends in North Carolina. They got a dog last week. My wife is on Instagram showing my daughter their new dog in North Carolina. I'm like, really, babe? You're not helping the situation. It's bad enough we got dogs in the neighborhood. It's bad enough we got dogs at our friends. Now you're going through social media and showing little kids getting dogs from their parents. We are such a bad family. Maddie, you're never getting a dog, ever, no. Nancy said this morning she's caving. She's closer than she was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Get your hopes high. All right. You can have one when you move out. We actually have not joked with this. We said, when someone proposes to Nancy, to Nancy, to Maddie, <clears throat> you're taken. You're not going anywhere. <clears throat> I know where you live. Uh, when they propose to Maddie at age 40, that's the only time she's allowed to date, uh, they can do it with a dog. That's when she can get a dog. So. But the comparison game is strong. You know what sometimes we compare with is church. We launched our church. We feel good about it. God's doing something. I was talking to a friend of mine at the airport yesterday. He was on his way flying somewhere to preach. And I'm like, man, how's your church in Boston doing? He's like, oh, man, dude, it's blowing up. I'm like, how old is he? He goes, six months. He's like, we, we just went to two services, overflowing. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's cool. Praise God, love you. <laughs> I'm like, in Boston, right? I'm like, I don't even like the Patriots. I'm like, like Brady, I hope they deflate something. You know, I'm just kind of... <clears throat> and I'm walking away going, I hate Boston. Two services. Bet they got less chairs than us. It's probably all hype. The comparison game, we fight it, don't we? We fight it with our possessions. We fight it with our families. We fight it with, man, I wish, I wish my relationship looked as fun as that. I wish my spouse would act like that. I wish I had that kind of decor in my home, or I wish I could upgrade to that car. I wish I had that job. And all of a sudden, we're in this battle. I want to remind you today that comparison 
kills contentment on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Some of you, you may be battling thankfulness today. I don't feel very thankful. Today, I want to remind you that thankfulness is more than a day. It's actually a lifestyle. The Bible says comparison kills contentment. Today, I want to remind you that this, this truth, this FOMO, fear of missing out, we spend more time on our phones seeing what we're missing than out there actually living. We've had more conversations in the last two years of, hey, I wasn't invited to. I wonder why I wasn't there for that. That looked like so much fun. And we spend more time looking at what we're missing than actually out there living. And we start to wonder why we're not content and thankful in our lives. Comparison kills contentment. It's replaced with frustration, aggravation, insecurity. Well, why, why can't I get that job? Why, why don't I deserve that? I wonder why I wasn't invited. No one thought of me. And the comparison kills Contentment. So today, how do we combat comparison? When we're combating comparison, how do we on this Thanksgiving, so it's more than just turkey dinner and football and glow bracelets and church, how do we live a life where we are content? Paul said, he wrote that verse that Ava wrote, read even, you need to know this, in a prison. He wrote it in a prison, four feet tall, hunched over in the darkest, uh, uh, wet, uh, um, dungy uh, prison. He wrote this verse, I have been hungry and I have been full. I have had a lot and I've had nothing. And I've learned to be content in all things through Jesus who strengthens me. How do we be content? How do we combat comparison? Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Listen to me. Thank you is more than manners. It's a weapon. The Bible says that when you thank God, it gives you access into his will and his presence. Please don't miss this. God loves everybody. He loves the person that's far from him and the person that's close to him. He loves everybody. But there is another level of access into God's will, God's presence, and God's goodness. And the Bible says thankfulness opens the gates to get into the VIP room. Thankfulness is not just manners. Say please and thank you. It's the magic words. It's more than manners. It's actually a weapon. Some of you are dealing with discontentment, you're frustrated, you're aggravated, insecurity. When we start to thank God for what he's done in our life, something starts to happen. You go from the outside where you feel far from God and discontent to a place in God's presence where you have access where you weren't before. Oh, thank you is a weapon. It's more than just a Canadian thing. Oh, they're so polite as a country. No, no, it's a Bible thing. When you say thank you, when you're thankful to God for what he's done and he's about to do, something happens in your life. You have an access you didn't have before. Oh, it gives us access. The Bible says we get access, we get growth, we get more of God, we get more of life when we are thankful, when we live a life of thankfulness. Thankfulness combats comparison. Stephen Furtick says it like this, a preacher in the States, if you only notice what you've lost and what you've lacked, you'll never use what you've got left. So many times we're focused on what we don't have, we never use what we do have. We spend so much time looking at what others have, we don't use what God's given us. Paul wrote the New Testament in a prison. He used what he had. I got pen, and I got paper, and I got time. And because he used it, today we are strengthened in our walk. I am thankful that Paul didn't see what he lost and what he lacked, but he realized what he had left, and he used it to encourage a church and to build a nation. My friends, I want to encourage you. Thankfulness combats comparison. You used to have an old song when I was growing up, Count Your Blessings. 
Name them one by one. Remember that? Count your blessings number one. I'm so thankful today. I'm thankful that my wife is healthy. I'm thankful for this team that we have, this dream team, unified around one cause and one passion, and that's to love a city for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for a church that invites people. This is a safe place to invite people that maybe don't have God figured out, going, I don't know about church, I don't know about God, and it's a safe place to bring them to figure out their journey and what God means to them. I'm thankful for my kids and that they're thriving today. I'm thankful for a God that gives second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Can someone say amen? I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for opportunities to make a difference on a daily basis. That God uses the willing, not the qualified. If you're willing, God will use you to make a difference in someone's life. I'm thankful today. Thankfulness gets you closer to God. It says this in Psalm 84, verse 10. Talking about God's presence. Now, thankfulness gets you in the door. Here's what God's presence does in Psalm 84, verse 10. A single day in your courts. Another verse, version would say presence or close to God. Another day, a single day close to God in his presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. Thankfulness gets you to a place that no other place can compare. You need to know today, there's nothing like being in God's will. If there's a place that you want to be, it's God's will. It's in God's presence. Thankfulness gets you there. And it says that place is beyond compare. It says nothing is like being in God's presence. It, this verse paints this picture. It says, I don't care what you throw at me. It doesn't matter what comes up on my feet. No, no, no. That's good. That's a great latte you took a picture of. That's a great uh, picture of the wing of that plane. I don't know where you're going. Somewhere tropical like Tahiti or St. John's or somewhere amazing. Maybe you're going on a great ski vacation like Moncton. Lord, send all the snow to Moncton in Jesus' name this, this winter. Maybe, but no matter what you throw, no matter what car drives by you, no matter what person walks by you, no matter who someone's dating or married to, doesn't matter what your bank account says, no matter what you show somebody, the Bible says nothing can compare to just one moment in God's presence. My friend, there's no high like the most high. There's no high like you can get from a promotion or applause or fame or stuff that happens that knowing it's right between you and God. The Bible paints this picture that there's nothing that can compare. Listen, you want to compare? Nothing can compare. One day in God's presence is better than a thousand somewhere else. It's better than a thousand at Sandals Resort. It's better than a thousand in that penthouse apartment. It's better than a thousand in that car. It's better than a thousand somewhere else. One moment knowing you're right with God and God is with you and helping you is better than a thousand elsewhere. So if thankfulness gets you closer to God and nothing compares to being closer to God, then thankfulness creates contentment. If the place that you're content is in God's presence because nothing else compares, that's where we're aiming for today. If nothing compares to God's presence, that's where we want to be. Thankfulness not only gets you there, thankfulness creates contentment. When we start to give thanks, we combat comparison and create contentment as we get closer to God. You need to know this today. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. That means that God is all-powerful and God is everywhere. Today, we are here. We're at the Bella Rose Theater at Nova Church. In a few hours, you'll be at, some of you will be at a kitchen table having dinner. Some of you will be napping. Some of you will be at work, working your work shift. And we are only in one place at a time. But the Bible says, here's the truth you need to know. God is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere. God's at that church with two services in Boston. God's at the, the White House. He needs to be there today. God is at the, at the crack house. God is at the schoolhouse. God is at the work. God is at your home. God is in church. God is everywhere, and he's all-powerful. Here's what you need to know today. 
That when you come with the attitude of thanksgiving and get into God's presence, when you're in God's presence, you may be here, but God can be there. I need to unpack that for some of you today. When you get into God's presence, thankfulness combats comparison. Thankfulness creates contentment. When you start to thank God here, it does something there. That means you could be here today thanking God for what he's done in your life, and he can be home working on your spouse over there. That means you can be here today with your hands raised, thanking God for health in your body, and he can be there at work dealing with that drama you walked away from on Friday. That means you can be here today, focused on God's goodness, thanking him for what he's done in your life, and he was already there last night with your teenager at that party they shouldn't have been at. I've learned that when you understand the power of thankfulness here, God can work it there. That what you start here today, God can go and be ahead of you and behind you and above you. And God's working your miracle out because it says a moment in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. Thankfulness creates contentment. Thankfulness is not just manners. It's a weapon today. It's more than a holiday. We start to say thank you. Something starts to happen. Well, God starts to work on our behalf. Somebody needs to understand this today. One day in his presence is better than a thousand Facebook posts or Instagram stories. Or you may be here this morning, but God is already there working on your behalf. Someone needs to get excited this morning. Someone needs to help me this morning and get on your feet and start thanking God for what he's done today. Thanking God is a weapon. Some need to thank God today what he saved you from. Some need to thank God today for unanswered prayers. When you wanted to marry that person or get that job, some of you today need to thank God for what he's given you. Someone needs to stand this morning and thank God for what he's done. Someone needs to thank God for the health you do have. If you walked in here today, thanking God for the health in your body. Somebody need to thank God for the friends we do have, for the hope we do have. Nothing compares. Come on, somebody. Stand to your feet today. Can we thank God for what he's done today? Come on, worship team. We're going to worship today. Can I challenge you today? Thankfulness is a weapon. If you're frustrated, if you feel like you're comparing, judging your kids and your life, what you've seen on a screen or down the street or someone you're sitting next to today. The Bible says there is a contentment available when we start to get thankful. I'm thankful I'm not where I was. I'm thankful he's taking me where I need to be. I'm thankful today that I walked in here with health in my body. I'm thankful today for my kids. Listen, some of you are going, yeah, you don't know my marriage. No, but you walked in here today. Be thankful for your health. As you start to unlock God and say, thank you, he starts to work where you need him to work. The miracles of this baby today on this stage. I'll never forget talking to Ruby. She goes, oh no, I'm, I, my baby's intensive care and I'm a great mom and I love him, but I'm gonna come to church, why? Because I need to praise God for what he's done and what he's gone to do. And when she was here praising God, God was there working on that baby. And today, as we get ready to sing this song, would you just praise God? Would you thank God for something, knowing that you might be here thanking God today? Oh, but he's working on your tomorrows. He's working on that spouse. He's working on those kids. He's working on that job. He's working on that hopelessness that wants to struggle out the life inside of you. Oh, thankfulness kills contentment. Thankfulness kills comparison and it creates contentment today. All over this place, if you're comfortable, can you raise your hands if you're comfortable today? Come on, can you just thank God for something, something in your life? Come on, thank God. Let's sing this together.